0: And welcome to the Thoroughbred Post. I'm Les Salzman. And uh, an interesting show today as we once again visit our friends in Fauna Park. And then later on, we're going to be heading down to Mammoth Park and then to Louisville, Kentucky. So an action-packed show. And we're ready to get started. On the phone right now, we have Shanine Reidman and her son Colt's very favorite jockey, Dakota Wood. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, good to be here. Hey, so one, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you guys on, uh, and we'll be playing a, a clip of uh, the race that was named after Colt. Uh, but, Shanine, you've made him kind of a a household word at Foner Park. Uh, he's a, a tremendous racing fan. Tell me a little bit about Colt.
1: Well, he's my miracle kid, Um, just in short. He um, has always been loved of horses, and that kind of came in our family a little bit. My mom was around the racetrack as a kid as well, but we kind of wanted to instill the um, love for horse racing and horses and to respect the horse and everything else. So he was born in 2013, and I started taking him to Foner when he was about 18 months old. And the first race we went to was the Bosselman. And um, when a friend of ours, Kellen Gorder, had sent up a horse to run in the race, Joy Boy. And Channing Hill was the jockey to ride for him. And um, that's how we met Channing first. Um, but ever since then, um, I've taken him to Keeneland. And I um, went down there. And uh, he found love with Keeneland. And ever since, now he wants to go to Fawner all the time since we live close. And it's just... Been a growing love of his since he was 18 months old. So,
0: and, and it's it's a passion that both of you guys share. And then you bumped into this guy, other guy that's on the phone, uh, Dakota Wood. Tell, tell tell me how that guy got started.
1: Um. Well, I Bonner offers a wonderful opportunity for people or communities and stuff with a, a sponsorship race. And so you can do a blanket or you can do a banner. And so we've always done the blanket. and um, just So it's a nice gesture to the winning horse and trainer and stuff because those aren't cheap anyway to come by. So it's a good thing for them to get it. And so um, last year, before COVID really hit, we were able to get our race sponsorship in for Colt, which would have been his seventh birthday. And... Um, a horse had won that Dakota was on, named Holy Marie, and she was a, was a nice mare, and he brought her in, and um, we did the winter circle photo, and I think about, oh gosh, I think it was about summertime or a few months later, because ran a little bit longer, because nothing else was really racing, and um, I reached out to Dakota on Facebook and sent him a message, and um, basically it came down to Dakota saying that... He was going to grab some goggles and have all the guys sign it and send it to Colt. And the relationship just kind of flourished from there, and it really picked off um, starting in February. since He was back for the races at Fodder. And so it's just been a developing friendship between my son and Dakota and myself, and we became pretty good friends. So um, he's been a great mentor and friend to my son, and we're very grateful and thankful for, for that.
0: And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you guys on the air because there's mm-hmm. that tremendous family spirit spirited honor, uh, mm-hmm. and we 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 want to highlight that because that's the essence of the game. You know, we're those of us that are in racing. It, it's one large family, and sometimes sure. it's a great family, and sometimes not so good. But it's one family, <laughs> right? Uh,
2: Correct.
0: And and Dakota. You're an interesting guy, because when I was doing my research <laughs> about you, uh, you are not not the typical jockey. No, sir, I'm not. So, now you started, I guess, what, about 2013
3: in 2012 riding? I actually started in Eureka, Kansas in 2009.
0: Okay, how did how, you make the decision to become a jockey?
3: When I was about five years old, my Uncle John, God rest his soul, he took me to Fair Meadows in Tulsa back when G.R. Carter was still riding some third reds too. My favorite color is blue, just like Colts. And first race I watched, I bet on the free horse because the style color is blue. And G.R. Carter won it, and I cashed my ticket. I went to the winner's circle. I was like, I bet on your horse. I bet on your horse. They put uh, G.R. had them let me in the winner's circle, and they picked me up and put me on the horse with him, and I got to get nice. in the win picture. And ever since then, I want to be a jockey. When I was about 12 years old, we moved to McAllister, Oklahoma. And a lady my dad worked with at the hospital, husband, trained horses. And I started from the ground up at the farm from there. Just kind of fell into place.
0: And you start you started race riding, and you were doing real well. And then, I guess, was it weight that kind of got the best of you, or you took a few years off?
3: Yeah, there was a... A lot of personal reasons and and weight and just kind of had to uh had to had to find something else for a little bit for all the different reasons you know world works in mysterious ways but you know even though I went to the oil field and worked for a crane company and did a bunch of other odd jobs you know kind of handy so I've always been a physical labor kind of guy I'm not an office setting but uh you know something something was missing I, I missed the track that was kind of Kind of home horses. those always have always calmed me down since I was a kid. So I decided to give it a try to come back if I could do it and make weight. Then I'd I'd come back and give it a try. If I can't, then I can't. But uh, so far I've been been good and uh, just happy to be back and happy to be back riding. And I so, can't imagine doing anything else really.
0: Now you were you were in the oil wells, but you where were those oil wells? Oh jeez, I've been.
3: Aside from racing, I've still been all over the country: Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, almost went to Kuwait. Went to Russia. That was cold.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know, from Nebraska to Russia, you know, it's still pretty cold, right?
3: It is, but I'll take Nebraska.
0: <laughs> How long were you in Russia? Uh, six months. And then you came back here, and you started back riding shortly thereafter, right?
3: Yes, sir. I took about six months to uh, get my weight right. Being over in Russia is when I kind of find... i had been playing with the idea of, you know, the thought of coming back to riding and stuff, you know. And uh, when I was in Russia, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of people telling me I can't make weight or I i can't go back to it. I At least i to proved to myself that I can't. So far... I've been, I've been fortunate. Got people support a bunch of people supporting me and I can't do it without them. I can't do it without you know, the fans and stuff, but this this is this is home. The racetrack's home for me. I don't plan on ever leaving.
0: Well, you know, it's one of those positive addictions, right? You get you get hooked and you, you just can't get it get it out of your blood. Uh,
3: hey, yes, sir. It's, it's in your blood, it's in your blood.
0: But you know, something else I think is in your blood too, because from what I hear you're a pretty go- darn good singer. Is that true? I you?
3: like to sing karaoke. I, I don't know if I'd say a darn good singer. There's probably some songs that I can sing pretty well, and then some I sound, you know, I can't carry a bucket in a tune or a tune in a bucket.
0: <laughs> or something like but that, right?
3: Something, something like that. But I just, I used to take dance, and, you know, I'm kind of an easygoing guy. I don't get embarrassed. If you can get me embarrassed, then, you know, I don't get embarrassed about really anything.
0: Well, you know, I think that's an important thing as far as being a race rider because, you know, you're not going to win every race and you're going to make mistakes and whatever. And I think if you can just let it roll off your back, it makes it a lot easier.
3: I'll be honest, I don't do that very well sometimes. But uh, as long as I stay moving, I'm pretty good. But, you know, every rider and, you know, trainer and anybody in the industry, you know that if they truly – have a passion for what they do you know it's serious it's very serious to them so but we just try to take it a day at a time and just every day i try to grow as a writer and as a father in person
0: now you mentioned a father you have kids
3: i have a little boy named wyatt he'll be six this year in october
0: congratulations thank you very much is he is he writer material
3: Actually yes he is. His mom is about four foot eleven. I'm five four and he's uh I always used a joke, I want a little jockey kid. And uh when he was a baby I'd always say, you know, I want him to be my his mom's size with my strength. I think I kinda got it, because when he hold my finger as a little baby, he's kinda stout.
0: So, but so he,
3: I won't he I will force him in a ride if he doesn't want to, but uh he loves the horses and tractors and loves rodeoing and he wants to do it. I
0: hope I can be there to help him along the way. You know, I'm I'm just thinking. You know, we we get him to ride, and we get Colt to take his book. We got it all set, right?
3: <laughs> there, you, there,
0: you go. Yeah, you you heard it here first, folks. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to put you on the spot, Dakota, because Colt, you know, he's a big fan, and I just mentioned you're a good singer. And Ma- I'm sure Mom's going to be taking this back home. Do you think you could give us a little happy birthday, uh, Colt? You think you think you can do a couple of verses? Yeah, I'll
3: give it a shot, I guess.
0: Okay, let's go.
3: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Colton. Happy birthday to
0: you. There you go. Now, we promise, and Janine, you you have to promise also now, we are not going to take that into the jocks room.
3: No. Oh, they'll hear it. (laughs)
0: Now, t- tell me a little bit about the Jocks Colony there at Foner because a lot of a lot of our listeners, you know, are from other places and they don't know too much, but it's kind of like a little family there. You know, same guys ride a- a year in and year out pretty
4: much.
3: Yeah, they, uh, everybody's kind of, like you said, they go in year out, year in, year out with everybody. So, we, you know, we all become friends and, you know, acquaintances. And even, I'll be honest, even if we, you know, don't really like each other or, you know, get into uh, something about a race, you know, because we're all competitive. This is the only sport where literally your competitor is sitting right next to you in in a box. We try to just take it race for race and then go on with it. But uh, in the end, we all seem to laugh and smile, and we we all have a good time and try to take care of each other. There's an unspoken jock's code that... uh, You know, I've always felt... You know, brothers are brothers.
0: You know, I've always felt like... The Jock's room was like Christmas dinner, right? <laughs> you, you got this, the whole family together, and, you some, and I of have really a liked, some of you don't like so much, and you know, but you you still a family. You're fighting. Your fight, yes, exactly. Uh
3: In the in in the end, where nobody's out there to hurt anybody, we just we just try to do the best we can and make sure everything tries to go smooth. I guess.
0: Now, now the tr- the track of Fonda is kind of a bullring, right? Yes, sir. It's a bullring. So, so it, it gets a little tight in the corners.
3: It can, but uh, luckily we got a good group of guys here. Saying, you know, we can all ride tight, and we all kind of know where we're at at all times. You know, there's different variables; horses, you know, can all of a sudden do something or whatever. But uh, for the most part, we're we we stay pretty clean, but. We're
0: all very aggressive. Well, I, you know, I had watched Foner, a very good friend of mine, started her career at Foner years and years ago, Lily Smith. And so I've always kind of kept an eye on it. But during the pandemic, you know, I had the opportunity to obviously watch it a lot on TVG. And then subsequently, this, this year, I've been watching... You know, on the on the website, and I got to tell you, for a small track, you guys ride pretty pretty darn good. And uh, I've noticed that a lot of you guys have real good real good technical skills, and uh, I, I admire that because most of you folks came up riding, you know, the way you learned how to ride. So it's it's pretty interesting to watch.
3: Well, that's the thing about bull rings. Um, I'm not knocking mile tracks or anything because I actually prefer mile tracks. But I do love my bull rings. Don't get me wrong. But you have to uh, on bull rings. You don't have much uh, a little less time than on a mile track to uh, make make decisions. So, so if you can if you can be a good bull ring rider like much of us are here, especially since most of the tracks here in Nebraska are bull rings, then you, on a mile track it's just it's a little easier. You know, turns are tighter, so you got to be able to grab your horse or do whatever. Give it, give him some rain, or you know, it's it's a lot different than a mile track. Mile track, you have a little bit more time. You know, you can let your horse float out a little bit or whatever. Just give him to relax and get him to come back down. On a bull ring, you you got about one stride, or you're going to be taking somebody out,
0: out with you. No, that, you know, that, that's a really good point, though. You know, when you're coming down the back stretch. You you don't get a chance to give a horse a breather because
3: most of the time, most of the times, no. But uh, it, it all just depends on if someone comes up and passes you and stuff. You know, each race is different, each horse is different. We just try to do the do the best we can.
0: Well, you guys do an excellent job. It's it's good fun racing to watch, and uh, I'm going to suggest that those folks that haven't had a chance to watch the racing there. Uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. You get to, and, Shanine you can attest to this, you get to start following certain people, and it, it's kind of like an, a non-ending drama. Uh.
2: Exactly correct. It gets you yeah.
0: <laughs> But, uh, we, we, we enjoy the racing. We enjoy you guys being on the show. Uh, Say hello to Colt for me, Shanine. Dakota, best of luck to you with both your racing and singing career. Now, are you going to be appearing any, uh, other than the racetrack, are you going to be appearing any place in the near future?
3: Uh, Yes, sir. I'm headed to Lone Star Park in Grand Prairie, Texas. My son and his mom live 45 minutes from there. And uh, I've been gone from home too long, so I'm going to go try to play with the big boys again.
0: You'll do good you'll do good and get your picture taken.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being on the show. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to have John Heim, the racing secretary from Momathon with us right after these words.
4: The finest care for your horses in a quite relaxed natural environment. That's what you will get at Bally Rose Farm in South Florida. Customized feed, therapy and turnout programs ensure that every horse gets the attention they need and deserve. With more than 35 years of professional experience, the Bally Rose team works hard for you and your horses, and is known for its client communications. Turnouts, breeding stock, or layup, Bally Rose is your best choice. Visit Ballyrose.com or call five six one seven seven four five two
3: zero
0: zero. That's one of my favorite mammoth moments, other than when I was running there. Uh, but we've got the racing secretary at Mammoth Park with us, John Himes. John, welcome to the show.
5: Thank you. Good afternoon.
0: And I appreciate you taking the time, because this, I think, probably is the craziest time of the year for you, as you're trying to get stalls allocated and everything up and running for the upcoming meet.
5: I think that's all we've done for the last couple of weeks, just trying to get people put away. Uh, Accommodate as many people as we possibly can, and uh, yeah, this is definitely the busiest time. Thankfully, uh, books are out, and people know what we're expecting, and it should be a great season. We get kicked off here on May 28th.
0: I'll I'll tell you what, uh, as a horseman, the first thing I always do, and my wife always teases me, because she reads all these intellectual novels, and I read condition books. Uh, It's amazing we stay together. Uh, But the book that you put out is really an interesting
5: book. I think it's a good cross-section. It represents, I mean, top of the the line. The lowest level we offer here is a beaten nickel. So, I mean, it's a very large cross-section, of course, that's for sure. No, you've got a little bit for everybody. Yeah, Uh and it's designed that way intentionally. And, uh, I mean, especially when you have uh, the Jersey Bread program, which is certainly on the rebound here, and you have a lot more Jersey Breads that are, I mean, now going to be two-year-olds and then coming along later on. I mean, it's, it's a whole new game for us, I think. Well, we we, bre-
0: we actually had the Bread ate, uh Jersey Bread this year. Uh, she'll, oh, nice. she'll turn to January because we think the program, as you said, is on its way back and the money's excellent.
5: It is. And I think they went from about 60, mares, uh, 60 folds, rather, about two years, three years back. We're up to over 120, I think, is the expectation for this year and probably even more next year. And right? I mean, when those start filtering in through the, uh, the racing program and the Jersey program really starts to rebound the way that we want it to. I think it's going to make a huge difference in what we put on here.
0: Yeah, and, I, you know, and the enhancement of that uh, Mid-Atlantic incentive program as well, it just makes a lot of sense. And uh, we're excited to have another Jersey brand. Uh, but besides that, in looking at the book, one of the things that I really felt, found was, that was very interesting is that you've you've got a kind of old fashioned balance as far as dirt to turf is concerned, and as a trainer, I think that's important. You know, so many tracks now, it, it's so many turf races. It, do, it doesn't make sense.
5: Well, we have one turf course, and it has to be preserved from the end of May all the way to the end of September. So we got to be a little more delicate with it. We do run three days a week, so. Gives us a little bit more leeway on it, but uh, I think we've put up more turf races in the last several years than we had in the past, especially when the seasons were longer here. But uh, I mean, almost everybody wants to run on the grass now. We do offer that the Meadowlands in the fall, which is an all-grass meet. Uh, it's not for the level that we put on here at Monmouth Park, but that's more just a simple supply and demand of there's a abundance of supply for turf horses, and um, we just can't. I mean, there's a abundance of demand rather for people that want to run on the turf, and we just can't supply that much turf.
0: Now, now, going back to the condition book, I noticed at the very beginning of the meet, you've got some of your premier meet, uh, premier races, uh, and that, that's a change,
5: isn't it? Uh, it is only because we're starting three weeks later than normal. We bought ourselves three weeks just to see where this COVID would shake out for everybody and uh, hopefully uh, – where protocols haven't been released as of yet. But three more weeks uh, in this uh, pandemic seems to be a lifetime in terms of where you went from three weeks ago to where you are three weeks today. So so those three weeks may be a big deal changer or a game changer for us here. But also, I mean, with the Haskell July 17th, the prep races for those, uh, the preps for those races, they've all got to be worked in at some point, and that was the intent. So you'll see the at stakes, that mile and an eighth at the prep for the UN. Um, And if you read the condition of the book, the winner of that gets an automatic birth to the UN, and the same for the Pegasus will get an automatic birth into the Haskell Stakes, which is now a Stakes versus an Invitational. So, I mean, there's several races that will prep horses for Haskell Day on July 17th.
0: It's interesting. I think you you guys ought to develop a Survivor Series, because you have... The old Atlantic City races, the old Garden State races, the old Meadowlands races, <laughs> right? And, and, we do. And at the I end mean. of the at the end of the day, the old lady stands strong, right?
5: That's yeah. I mean, the Pegasus came from the Meadowlands. The Mammoth Cup now was the Meadowlands Cup, so we took those. The UN and the Matchmaker were both AC races, as was the Jersey Shore. Um, back uh, we lost it for a few years, but when we bought it back, and I mean, the Jersey Derby that was Garden State forever. So I mean, yeah. I mean. They all went. They all found a new home here, and I mean, we're certainly happy to have them. And,
0: and, and I think it's great because it really throws the spotlight on Mammoth. You know, having that kind of depth to the stakes program, especially with the shorter meet.
5: Yeah, and we've invested in it as well. I mean, the United Nations this year went from 300 to 500. So, I mean, we're cognizant of the fact that this, that race. Uh, I mean, it had fallen on harder times when you were over the first 300 maintained a grade one status and that's our goal here is to ensure that we will maintain a grade one and not knowing what's going to happen with arlington well knowing what's going to happen with arlington but don't know what's going to happen with their races there may or may not be a void on the calendar for what was the arlington million so the un being what was always a precursor if you wanted to go the arlington million as a sword dancer can now become a much more prominent race on the calendar for those older turf horses.
0: and you're right you, In back in the day the un was a tremendous Kind of quantifier of the the turf horses, the older turf horses. Everybody seems yeah. to come there first.
5: And I mean, I remember I worked at Atlantic City when Sandpit and uh, Northern Spur from Macanelli—they all came and ran there. And then uh, eventually, we wound up with the race here, and we've had some tremendous horses running that race. And when the main sequence, he was a finalist for Horse of the Year. Um, I mean, so many champions. Even that's recently his Big Blue Kitten went up being a champion many others that have come through that race. So I think it's important that we invest something into it and try to make it a, a back to where it was and maybe even do a couple other new new ideas and make it a little more international as well. But that'll be coming down the road.
0: Well, new ideas is not unusual for you folks. I I think over the last well you've been with them for a while. You you started out not in the racing department. Mm-hmm. At
5: Monmouth, right? No, I've been here 25 years now. I started in publicity. I was the publicity director. I'm also in-house counsel. I still am in-house counsel. I am the racing secretary, director of racing. Uh, know quite a few different jobs that uh, still fall under my umbrella.
0: Okay, they don't have you making the clam chowder, though, right?
5: No, no, no. That's, okay. uh, thankfully, that's not me. <laughs> okay. They wouldn't want that, that's for sure. <laughs> no, no, and but
0: again, that's part of the charm of... You know, Mamet, you know, again, as a horseman, going back to the days when Bobby Kalina was a young guy getting started as a racing secretary. You know, your team, you know, has has survived through thick and thin.
5: No, most people have been here. I mean, people I've worked with, there's so many that have been here for, I mean, 20, 30, even 40 years there. Our CFO just retired. He was here 40 plus years. And, uh, I mean, people just stay. I mean, it's a wonderful place to work. Uh, I mean, it's the Jersey Shore where many of us grew up, including myself. I mean, I don't want to leave ever. So, well,
0: tell us a little bit about you. You know, you're the man behind the scenes a lot of times. Nobody or a lot of people don't know about you. So, tell us a little bit.
5: Um, is yeah, that embarrassing? In, no, no, no. I grew up oh. here in Seagirt, New Jersey, which is right here on the Jersey Shore. Uh, I got my undergrad degree from Clemson. Uh, I went to graduate school at the University of Kentucky. I have a graduate degree from the University of Louisville, and I have a law degree from Widener Law in Delaware, which is now the Delaware Law School. Um, I have my own practice. I am in private practice for 15 years now uh, as a a strong practice that mostly focuses on real estate, wills, probates, trust, and uh, municipal court. And I've been able to balance that with uh, my job here for many years. So it's a lot of work, um, but you know, it's- um, What an interesting uh, background. Uh, <laughs> I guess, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot, a lot of work and I don't mind doing it, especially when you come to a place where it's a labor of love. So, I mean, this doesn't actually feel like work, even though it is, uh, it makes it a lot easier.
0: What drew you originally to the horses?
5: Um, originally to the horses, my uncle used to have a picnic here every year and we'd come and go to the picnic area at Mama's and it was always uh, one of the days I looked forward to most. Then when I graduated uh, college, I went to the University of Kentucky. I was going to get a Ph.D. in economics, and I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be for me. So I had to find something that I knew I would be not independently wealthy at the time, so I had to find something to uh, as a job, and so I decided to go to the University of Louisville for their racetrack program. It's a graduate program for one year. So I did that, and then from there, uh, I interned that year in Atlantic City, and then from there I got hired at Gulfstream uh, to work in simulcasting. And then I was the simulcast director at Gulfstream for a couple of years, and the PR director at Hialeah for a couple of years, and then I wound up permanently staying in New Jersey.
0: You know, we're doing this this summer. We're doing a uh, series called S- "A Summer to Remember," and we're going to be visiting a number of the racetracks that are no longer running, and uh, Hialeah, Atlantic City, Garden uh, State. It, it's kind of interesting as as you're in the business for 20, 25, 30 years to see the changes that, that have gone on. Mammoth, if you walked into Mammoth 30 years ago and you walked into Mammoth three years ago, it would look very much the same. Yes, now with the, tell us about the sports book that's there now.
5: Well, I mean, the sports betting case, uh, case, the whole thing is really a feather in the cap of uh, Dennis Draven, who was the chairman and CEO of Mammoth Park. Um, that was a case that was litigated for seven-plus years, and every time we got slapped down, he never would quit and kept coming back. And finally, the Supreme Court gave us a writ of certiorari, and we were heard and uh, won, actually, convincingly. I think the final vote was... You can call it six to three, from say six and a half to three, however you want to look at it. But, I mean, sports betting doesn't seem to be possible without him in the entire country. And so we have the original sport. I mean, we were the first ones to take a legal sports bet outside of Nevada, uh, or the four states that actually have acted out a PASPA, um, back in 2018. And so, I mean, I can watch the people coming in, and they play sports all day, and they walk out, I they have a perfect view from my office. So, I mean, it's it's been... Uh, amazing to watch and the transfer or the i don 't want to say the transfer, but it, it brings new faces to the facility, especially in the summer when we 're racing I mean, you get some of them to stay and maybe you can convert them to horse players or want to watch horse races and become interested where they may not have known much about it in the past so
0: and, and i I guess it's probably really good for your ancillaries as well as far as income is concerned to you know help concrete the stability of the racetrack.
5: Yeah. I mean, obviously that doesn't hurt. And, uh, I mean, there's food and beverage and everything else that goes along with it. I mean, it's, it, it's been, I mean, it's certainly been nice. It's been nice to have that as an addition and, uh, who knows how it plays out in the end. I mean, now you have the explosion of so many states now getting on board and offering sports betting and the mobile apps and the, all the things that come with that. And it's, uh, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I watched the case in, uh, peripherally or on the outskirts, been involved in just doing the PR for it at uh, certain times. And I remember we were ready to go, gosh, maybe 2016, and we were going to actually take paper bets. And at the last minute, the judge uh, uh, refused to allow us to do so. But, I mean, they were printed and ready to go. In fact, I think they're still in storage. We should probably get one framed just to save it. And That was two years before we had won. Yeah, I think it was about two or three years before we actually won the Supreme Court case. I think I'm going to do that after this. I think I'm going to go find one of those and just go get it framed, just so we have it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that'd be cool. But it, it, it's it's kind of great because back in 2015, 16, people were afraid that you guys weren't going to be around
5: anymore. Um, I don't think that was ever going to be a possibility. I mean, in 2012, when the state of New Jersey decided to get out of horse racing, and they leased the Meadowlands to uh, Jeff Garral's, uh Company and they leased Mammoth Park to the Horsemen's Association. I don't think ever. I don't think any of us ever felt we weren't going to be here. I, we knew it would be a fight and an uphill battle and uh, a, a lot of hard work. But I think after that and the firm much firmer footing we are on now, uh, and the purse money that we're able to offer in the stakes program and the, uh, I mean the, the incentives for the Horsemen to come here. Uh, I think we're on much firmer footing, not only than we were, but probably than many others here in the Mid-Atlantic, many of whom have casino gaming.
0: But I I, I think that you're 100% right. Friends of mine that uh, are going north this year that maybe had gone other places, put in applications with you folks. Uh, that's why I was teasing you the other day. You know, It's one of the first times I've ever called a racing secretary without asking for stalls.
5: Uh <laughs> yeah that's pretty rare but we have said, a blanket workers comp policy is, yeah so i mean it's amazing that we uh, there's an incentive for trainers to race there's the blanket workers comp policy i mean we're very cognizant of the fact that to stay in the summer at the jersey shore is not a cheap prospect and so if we can incentivize a trainer through an incentive program or a bonus program that actually helps cover the cost of them coming here and then to cover the workers comp which is a very big number for trainers and workers comp, uh, it, so. it makes a huge difference
0: Uh, that that's brilliant on your
5: part yeah we're very lucky that we're able to offer that and i mean the horseman obviously it's probably one of the biggest perks that anybody could ever get so it makes us just an even more popular destination i mean we're going to have quite a few new faces here this year that uh we haven't seen some that we haven't seen in a few years some that we've never seen so our stable area i mean as i know it i know we're oversubscribed by about 200 right now so we'll fit whatever we can and fit and uh accommodate as many people as we can
0: well i appreciate you taking the time right now to speak with us and i'm looking forward to seeing you over the summer uh have a great meet we, you know, we're always big Mammoth park fans and uh we're looking forward to get getting there to long branch and uh enjoying the weather
5: appreciate that all right i hope i see you guys real soon take care take Thanks, care man, thank you bye
0: John Himes, the racing secretary at at the Park. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to have Kim Weir from TRF on with us.
4: For more than 35 years, the Thoroughbred Retirement Foundation has provided thousands of retired racehorses a lifelong sanctuary when their racing careers have ended. Focused on the welfare of those equine athletes unable to pursue a second athletic career due to injury. The TRF is the oldest and largest TAA-accredited thoroughbred aftercare organization in the United States. Every dollar makes a difference. Consider a gift of thanks and visit trfinc.org today.
0: And we're back. Kim, welcome to the show. Well, hello
2: there, Les. How are you?
0: It's been so long since I've spoken with you.
2: Oh, If only. You're not that lucky, my friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Kim and I were on a conference call yesterday, and uh, it was actually an exciting conference call because the TRF has been doing some amazing stuff lately and loads of announcements. Kim, let, let, before we even get started, let's talk about Kentucky.
2: Oh, thank you. I love talking Kentucky. My heart is currently in Kentucky, although I am sitting in rainy Saratoga Springs for a few more hours. Um but indeed we have just uh, we are participating in an amazing an amazing moment for the horses of the TRF and all of us who love them um, in that we've received a gift from a very generous benefactor to create a new sanctuary farm in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, just on the outskirts of the city, beautiful Prospect Kentucky, it's a place unlike anything we've ever had before because we have been given, The gift of space for the horses and a place where we can welcome people, guests and visitors from all around the world. And that's what I've been up to lately.
0: Well, that's a lot to be up to. Uh, Tell us about the facility itself.
2: Okay, sure thing. Well, we call it the TRF Sanctuary Farm at Chestnut Hall. So the farm itself is called Chestnut Hall. It's about 30 acres in Prospect, Kentucky and it's a little, it's just a little gem of a farm that somehow has slipped through time and history to have never been developed. It's surrounded by beautiful, beautiful neighborhoods and suburbs that was of all former farmland, but this little farm has lasted the test of time. and we have now eleven horses living there, um, and they are, you know our, our beloved herd that we love to talk about. Um, besides the eleven horses, we have a beautiful barn, which we will probably use mostly as classroom space for organizations and community groups that want to come have a, a, an unusual but cozy place for a classroom or a workshop. Um, our horses just don't come in that often, so that's why we're talking about the barn in those terms. The beautiful barn, and then the other thing it has going on is this gorgeous, gorgeous historic farmhouse that is uh, been fully restored, and it, it took a whole lot of work for that to happen. But now it's been given to us as another piece of the puzzle, where we can host community groups that want to host their own fundraisers. We can host we can host TRF fundraisers. And in fact, I'm doing a couple of those next week. Um, we can bring groups. To the farm and they will all get to meet our horses but we also get to be a good neighbor to our, our Louisville community so there's kind of a lot going on in just describing the farm itself Les, <laughs>
0: well, you know it's, it's interesting Kim when and just take a step back my wife Alora uh, did the invitation to one of the events at at the farm and when she was doing the research to to get the invitation put together, You almost hear my old Kentucky home when you look at the pictures. I I mean, it's that traditional, right?
2: It really is. It has this porch that's frankly that that I don't. The the house is gorgeous and it's amazing and I'm so excited. But honestly, you know, I'm a a sit on the porch, drink my coffee or my cocktail, look at horses kind of gal. And this porch, the porch alone is it sort of worth the price of admission because it has it has the big columns and it looks right out over the pastures and it yeah. We haven't typed in old Kentucky home, but I don't think we need to because you're right.
0: No, you, you'll just hear it in your head, I'm sure. Now, when, And the public's going to be able to come out and visit that herd as well, right?
2: That's very much the point. Um, we will be launching public tours through our uh, great partnership with Visit Horse Country. Uh, we are honored to have been included in their, their community of, of horse farm members. And so using their great expertise and their terrific team, we will open for tours starting – The latter half of May, we will certainly be up and running by by Memorial Day, and we're still working out some details of when the first tour will happen. But, but that is going to happen, and it will be fully available to the public. It will be requiring pre-booked tours just so that we're ready for folks to come. But the goal is to really share the gift of the horses with the community of Louisville, with the neighbors, with Kentucky, with the horsemen. You know, and really, I always like to think, you know, think, think, think the world. That's our plan.
0: Well, and you, you've got 11 on the grounds already, and I think we're going to talk about one of them right now, right?
2: Well, you know what? I, I, I'd love to talk about one of them, although I was planning for us, if you don't mind, for us to talk about Hemingway's key. You know, oh, okay.
0: Uh, that's, he has, he's in Florida still, right?
2: Yes, he is. We're, would you, I like, keep thinking of my Florida herd, because okay. Florida brought us together. So that's what I thought we'd chat about for our hero of the herd today.
0: Well, let's talk about him.
2: Okay, well, I always count on you to have those Equibase figures because I I don't speak out of turn, but he is certainly one of our most famous horses and our most accomplished uh, runners in the TRS herd. So Hemingway's key um, does indeed live at the TRS program at the Lowell Correctional Facility in Ocala. Um, And putting you on the spot there, Les, do you have his winning figures in front of you?
0: I will in a second.
2: No, uh,
0: okay. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, the interesting thing about him, and we talked about that. You know, he was on the Triple Crown the trail, and actually ran third in in the Preakness, uh, and then came back and ran third in the Jim Dandy. He uh, he was a very interesting horse in the fact that he didn't get a lot of respect, and he kept on hitting the board, hitting the board, and now he's what twenty three years old.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yep. and I, I, when you add that up, I'm sure he he just, he just earned a lot of dollars hitting that board in all those big stakes races. So, um, you know, the thing is, he, he really is a, he's a little bit of a rarity for us, because most of our horses are a little bit more the anonymous claimers of the racing world. But we have a couple, and we love to talk about them for all kinds of reasons, that not the least of which is how he was retired to us, which is a different sort of pathway into our herd. And it's not the, the most common. It's not like our main purpose, but there are owners and time who have a wonderful horse who's done really well for them, is not going to have a breeding career, and for all the reasons we're familiar with, won't have a second racing career, and then they need a place for them. So, you know, there's not not all the owners in the world have a farm in their backyard where they can put their retirees. So Hemingway's Key is one of those horses that was actually retired to us, which meant he came from his owners with the resources that would enable us to pay for him for the rest of his life. And this is something we really want to celebrate. That, again, doesn't happen a lot, and it isn't our main lane, but when it happens, it's wonderful. Um, and that's how Hemingway's Key came to us. And, and he's been now doing the magic of, of our programs for a whole lot of years. Did you find his winnings there, Lesley?
0: We did, you know, and the interesting thing, the really interesting thing to me, uh, and he's, you know, from Kingsman Stud, which is the, uh, Steinbrenner farm and, yeah. uh, Nick Zito trained him and for Nick Zito to have a horse kind of under the radar like him w- was unusual. Mm. Uh, but he, he did a great, he, he's a nice horse. He, he's by notebook, uh. And he he how can I put it? he did well at the races, but he never was a top earner,
2: yeah, yeah you know
0: he, you know, he made his hundred and fifty thousand at the races, and, and which isn't bad, but he he was one of those horses that was tried and true, and the story that Tammy told me about him is he's kind of tried and true with the girls at at the program. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, that's where he's really flourished, and I'm sure Tammy showed showed, showed of these stories. One of the things I learned about him, first of all, he looks like my old show horse, um, so I love him. He's a big chestnut with a star. But he is such a favorite that he has been the one they've taught tricks to. Did Tammy tell you about this?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But tell tell the audience, because he is kind of a special horse.
2: Yeah, he really is, and he's actually gone on to maybe his third act more recently. So he's been at... um, Lowell for quite a long time, and we are very grateful to Kingsman Stud for putting him in our care, but he's the kind of horse who's very handsome, you know, so everybody kind of wants to spend time with him. He's that, he's that one that catches your eye, but he has this personality that is, is the one that sort of stood out for one of our volunteers who is a, has an amazing history of her own, but she's an animal trick trainer, and she, she figured out that he was the star student, so he can count, he can bow. And the girls are able to, to get him to do those tricks, so that also gives them some sense of, you know, kind of the, the magic we all feel when we're able to get a big, huge 1,200-pound animal to do something that we want it to do. Um, he's He's been that one, and he also just, you know, is such a such sort of a card. He laughs when you want him to laugh. He He's just like a super fun horse to be around. So the stories are long of how he's captured the hearts of the women at Lowell. And now I have to tell you his, his third act, which has happened more recently, is that Um, You and I have talked quite a bit about the juvenile program that's right next door at Lowell. But sure enough, he, being this personality, became one of the horses that Velvet chose to use with her young men that she's teaching. And he kind of plays the role of the the test, because he's a real thoroughbred. He's a real resource. They all are, of course. But he looks the part, and he won the money. And so when the boys have made their way through... Their basic training, basically, he's he's the top of the food chain. So, if you've learned everything you're supposed to learn from Fifth Angel and Sir King Sergio, then you really get the test by putting the halter on and walking Hemingway around. So, <laughs> he's he's such hey, a good dude.
0: All just, around. Could you do me a big favor? Take two steps back and tell the audience, kind of in a nutshell, about Velvet's program because, again, that is unique. In the country, right? I mean, it is. It is.
2: It's our. Um, so I'm always happy to. I'm always grateful for someone to tell me to take a step back, take a breath, and say yes. The um, the second program in Ocala is our TRF Second Chances Juvenile Program, which is at the CSI Ocala is the name of the location, and it is a program where our horses are once again teaching vocational skills but also being used in a therapeutic way with young men ages uh, 15 to 18 who have found their way into a Department of Juvenile Justice facility. Um, And so this is our Second Chances program, as as our audience will probably be familiar. It's where the horses do the work as the teachers. But with Velvet Salisbury, our instructor there at Ocala, she's teaching these young men and giving them a real chance to recalibrate and, and redirect their past. And our horses like Hemingway's Key are doing the work right now as we speak.
0: The interesting thing, with so much going on in the news right now about young people having difficulty, uh, I think Velvet's program really gives some of these kids an opportunity to focus and ground. Yeah. You know, instead of just being being incarcerated. So it's a, it's a great program, and uh, we're, we're thrilled to be able to talk about it. Uh, what else is on the TRF menu? Because there always is before I let you
2: go. (laughs) Well, yeah, you know, I'm always looking ahead. Of course, tomorrow I hop in my car and drive back down to Kentucky. So we've got a whole week of events and exciting things happening there at Chestnut Hall. But I just saw my colleague Chelsea in my driveway a minute ago, and I said, all right, when I get back, we're talking about the summer farm, right? So all of your audience, and you specifically with Les, need to be looking at Saratoga this summer. We are so hopeful that it will be a more close to normal looking summer and so we will have horses in saratoga and we will be bending your ear about all the fun stuff we'll have going on up here how's that for a, a teaser
0: well that is a great teaser and always a pleasure to have you on the show uh kim give us the website real quick because we muffled it on the ad so if you can give it to us that'd be great.
2: absolutely it is trsinc.org and we welcome folks to come by and Learn a little bit more about us and check out Chestnut Hall, trfinc.org. Take
0: take a look at it. There's some great videos. Uh, we're going to sign off right now. This is Les Salzman on the Thoroughbred Post. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you real soon.